0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. Good morning. Before we get underway with uh, the Word of God this morning, we have some guests who are going to bless us with just a beautiful arrangement of a classic Christmas carol. We have a string quartet visiting us today. And yes, you, you may have heard them out in the foyer earlier this morning. We have Melody Wooten, Sonia Lee, Janine Bradbury, and Irina Tikanova. And they are going to bless us. Lovely, lovely, beautiful. That is just a beautiful, beautiful arrangement. Thank you, ladies. That was, that was wonderful. I imagine uh, that melody, even when it was first played, may have uh, sounded something like that. Um, just absolutely uh, a poignant and moving, soulful melody. And we know it's connected to a Christmas carol, "What Child Is This." But that melody that we just heard, and, and the the song that that melody came from, it predates the lyrics of "What Child Is This" by about 300 years. The original is an old English romance ballad. It's called The Lady Greensleeves. And it was registered in England in 1580. It was quite a popular secular song. Over the course of hundreds of years, you might imagine, there was various lyrics, there were changes and variations, but it never faded out. And how is it that this completely secular song would come to get connected to a beloved carol about Jesus. Well, as I said, it, it was about three centuries before What Child Is This? that green sleeves originated. But how it came to be the Christmas song, it's an interesting story, and I want to share some of that with you. In 1837, there was a surgeon. He was living in Bristol, England. His name was John Dix. And to John Dix and his wife, Susan, was born a son in 1837. Dix was a surgeon, but he was also a poet and an author. Now, that same year that his son was born, 1837, the surgeon, John Dix, he had written a biography Of an English poet, and that poet's name was Thomas Chatterton. Chatterton was a poetic prodigy. He died tragically in 1770. He was only 17 years old, but he had written many poems, he he was gifted. So John Dix wrote this biography, and then he named his son in honor of this short lived poet. His son was named William Chatterton Dix. Although John Dix was an accomplished surgeon, he was vexed with an addiction, alcoholism. And when his son was just eight years old, his father's surgery practice failed. He was imprisoned because of his debt that he couldn't pay. It was found out that he was a plagiarist. He actually plagiarized uh, some of the work that he wrote, specifically the the biography about the poet. Yet it seemed this son that was named after the poet, there was poetry in the blood. And William, though he lost his father, who uh, ultimately abandoned the family and he went to America, William was helped by his maternal grandfather who put him into private school. He was able to learn, and he took to writing. And, to, and his poetic gift began to flourish. While he was in his 20s, he was married. He began working in the maritime insurance industry. He moved to Glasgow, Scotland, and he did really well for himself. By 25, he was a a manager. He was doing great. And he he continued to write. He turned his heart to writing poems and hymns that were all about Jesus. They were hymns of worship. He turned his heart to do this after he had a near-death experience when he was just 29 years old. At that young age... William Cheddar and Dix, he fell gravely ill. He was ill for for months. And at the height of his illness, he wrote a hymn. And it's not what child is this, but he wrote a hymn. It's called, Come Unto Me, Ye Weary. And I want to just read a couple of the verses of that song. Imagine a young man, he's sick, he thinks he's going to die. He wrote this, Come unto me, ye weary, and I will give you rest. O blessed voice of Jesus, which comes to hearts oppressed. It tells of benediction, of pardon, grace, and peace. O joy that hath no ending, of love which cannot cease. The last verse of that hymn goes this way, And whosoever cometh, I will not cast him out. O patient love of Jesus. Which drives away our doubt, which calls us very sinners, unworthy though we be, of love so free and boundless, to come, dear Lord, to thee. There was something about that hymn. At the height of of this young man's sickness, much later in his life, he was nearing 60 years old, he wrote some notes about that experience William Dix wrote this about this hymn, Come Unto Me, Ye Weary. He wrote, I was ill and depressed at the time. I'd been ill for many weeks, and I felt weary and faint. And the hymn really expresses the languidness of body from which I was suffering at the time. Soon after its composition, and it took me some time to write out, for my hand trembled, and I could with difficulty hold the pen. I recovered and I always look back at that hymn as the turning point in my illness. It is a somewhat curious fact that most of my best known hymns were written when I was suffering from some bodily ailment. In his hardship, in his pain, his depression, William Dix. Discovered the realness. He discovered the genuineness, the reality of Jesus. And it comes straight from scripture. His song comes from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to Jesus. This is what he's, he was writing. Come to Jesus to find rest for your weary, your burdened, for your suffering soul. Our local communities right now are suffering, collectively suffering. We are, we're reminded in our prayer requests Another needless, senseless, incomprehensible, I can't understand it, it just twists my mind, the selfish act of evil, violence that was perpetrated in a school close to us, just this week in Oxford. Four kids lost their lives, seven others were wounded, including a teacher, can any good come from such an irrational and sensible act that's affected so many lives? We can talk about laws, we could debate societal laws, and we can talk about prevention, and we could talk about enforcement and accountability. I only know of one true solution, though I only know of one. And I've said it many times. Jesus. Jesus is the only real, true solution. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of another Christmas song. I didn't even, I wasn't planning to talk about it, but this morning, the more I thought about it, wow, there's another Christmas song that just touches on this. What good can come out of such senseless act? And that song it's called Good King Wenceslas. I I won't give you the long version, but the short is King Wenceslas was a 10th century king of Bohemia. In 922, he became king. He was 15 years old. His father had died in a battle. Fifteen, he takes the throne. He had a twin brother. Belislaus. Belislaus wanted the throne. Wenceslaus had it. And he was a a good Christian young man. He loved the Lord. And as king, he was benevolent. He took care of the poor. He wanted to look after the people. He loved his subjects. And they loved him back. But he didn't reign very long. When he was 22 years old, six years, on his way to church, which was, his, which was his custom every single day. He was on his way to church one morning, 22 years old. His twin brother, Balaslaus, has him murdered. He stabbed right in front of the church. And on the church steps, as he's bleeding out, Wenceslas looks at his brother and he says, brother, may God forgive you. Belislas was planning this revolt. And one would think a tyrant king would now be sitting on the throne, doing as he pleased. But something happened. Wenceslaus regretted what he did. He repented. He turned his heart to Jesus Christ, wanted to be like his brother. And the legacy of Wenceslaus lived, not because of Wenceslaus' short reign, but because his murderous brother turned his heart to Christ, said, My brother's legacy is going to live. And he became a good and a benevolent king following in his brother's footsteps. It reminds me of the life of the guy who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. His name is Saul of Tarsus. And he became known as Paul. He was a racist terrorist. He stood over the murder of Stephen and approved of it. How did he change the racist terrorist, Jesus Jesus, and I've said it so many times. The only solution, the only true solution is heart change. It's Jesus Christ. That's it for these for these insensible evil acts, the only solution to evil in the world. Come unto me, ye weary, and I'll give you rest. O oh, blessed voice of Jesus, which comes to hearts oppressed. There's so many broken and bittered with hearts that are oppressed. And the only real rest and restoration and binding up of that broken heart is only found in Jesus Christ. And William Chatterton Dix, he learned that too. He wasn't a murderer or a tyrant or a criminal, but he was suffering. He was depressed. He was hurting, he was in pain. And out of that suffering and pain, he didn't rail against the, unforgiveness, the unfairness. He didn't lash out at others and hurt other people because he was in pain. He bound himself to Jesus Christ. He latched onto Jesus and he never let go. William Dix, he wrote hundreds of songs. He wrote about 40 Christmas songs. It was, it was this time in his life, just 29 years old, where he, he learned to turn it all over to Jesus. One of the hymns that was said to be born out of that season of suffering in the mid-1860s when he was just a young man, in the, in the midst of that depression and pain, a song called, What Child Is This? And that's a question. That first verse, the song opens with the question, what child is this? Lying in the lap of his mother, the lyrics talk about Mary holding them, the angels are announcing. What child is this? We know his mother Mary pondered these things in her heart. She had heard from angels too. And his mother wondered. I'm sure, I'm sure his father Joseph too wondered. The song gives us this great picture of a mother looking at her newborn son and wondering. I think every single parent does that. I know I did it. I know I did it. When I held these little babies in my arms, I looked down and just looked to the future wondering, what child is this? What, what are they going to become? What does the future hold? Who are they going to grow to be? What child is this? This this song asks the question, but then William Chatterton Dix, he gives a great answer in verse number two. The second verse, it answers the question. What child is this? Born in a stable. It's not the usual place. There's animals around them. Yet, He is the word made flesh. And from that humble beginning, there began this pleading, this pleading with sinners. And then the lines that tell us about the payment for sin, the lyrics go on. For nails and spear will pierce him through. The cross he'll bear for me and for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh. Babe, the son of Mary. What child is this? Right there. God in the flesh. Born in a stable. William Dix called it a mean estate. From that beginning, from that humble, mean estate, Jesus was destined to be the lamb of God. He was destined to suffer. He was destined to suffer for all of us and become a sacrifice for sin. This was his mission. This is the mission of Jesus. And he taught it and he repeated it multiple times throughout his ministry. Jesus would say things like, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and then be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. The gospels record these words several times, the words of Jesus. William Dixon, this beautiful song, he presents us this gospel image, from the manger to the cross. And the pages of the Old Testament pointed to this that Jesus would suffer. The Messiah would suffer. He'd become a sacrifice for sin. Some people couldn't understand it, they didn't comprehend it. But Jesus declared that was the case. I must go to Jerusalem to suffer and be killed. And the letters in our New Testament, they reiterated over and over again this was his mission. This was the mission of the babe, the son of Mary. One of the clearest and the most concise reiterations of the gospel mission of Jesus. It's found in the letter to the Hebrews. I want to share some of the verses with you. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 4 to 10. It's it's just such a great, concise summation of the gospel. It says, It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world... When Christ was a babe, when Christ was born, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you, that's the father, do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burn offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first. That's the Old Testament. He set aside that old way. He set aside those sacrifices that were the animal sacrifices. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's the second. That's the new covenant. What child is this? The child who would become this final sacrifice. When Christ came into the world, he said it, he declared it. No more sacrifice. My body has been prepared. The sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for everybody, for all. That was the mission of the babe. That was the mission of his child. The son of Mary came into the world to suffer. He came in the world to sacrifice, to give it all. Why? Because of sin, because of sin. And it was the will of the Father. And Jesus said, I've come to do your will. That's what I'm going to do. And the Father's will was that a perfect, final, complete sacrifice done, never to happen again. That final sacrifice for sin. Sin, which is a crime against God. The only way to be rectified was this final sacrifice so all could be reconciled with God through this sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. And again, one time, for everybody, for all. And, and the lyrics of this song, I mean, they present it beautifully. William Chatterton Dix was definitely gifted. He went from the manger to the cross. And he, had, he, he put it to this, this soulful poignant melody that had been around for 300 years. But I'll just say the words outshine the melody. The melody, could it draws people in for sure, but think about the gospel. The babe was born to die for all of us. He was destined, that that image laying on his mother's lap, he's destined to be the sacrifice for all. From the manger to the cross, then he wrote a third verse. The final verse takes us back, right back to that infant child. What does it do? It beckons us to worship him, to honor him, to love him. There's the image in that third verse of the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh from the wise men from the East. It says, salvation he brings. So so what? So thrown him. In your heart, sing to Him. As difficult as the mission of Jesus was, we can rejoice that He did that for us. You know, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when we're depressed, we suffer. Think of this think of the manger. And the purpose was to go to the cross. What child is this? He's your Savior. He was born into this world to suffer. He knows suffering. He was born into this world to give his life for you and for me. Well, that's why in his pain, that's why in his depression, William Dix could write the last line of his song, Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. We rejoice in that. It's, it's tough to think about rejoicing because of suffering. Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. You are amazing. You're awesome. We love you and we praise you. We give you, Lord, you're a, a miracle-working, wonderful God and Lord and Savior wherever we're at and whatever pain and suffering we're going through, you're there. You're there. God, if there's any weary burdened hearts in this house or in anyone connected to us, Lord, I just pray they could turn and come to Jesus. Lay their weary burdened heart before him. He'll take it up. And he's not going to give a tough burden back. God, I just pray any... Any needing that would do that. Thank you, God, for your presence and for your Holy Spirit. and Thank you for coming to this earth. We are in appreciation. We're grateful. Thank you. Now raise your hands for the blessing. Lord, for everyone here and everyone joining us, Lord, may you bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be great. Be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one, God, and grant them peace. May the peace of our God that passes our understanding, our comprehension, keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.